Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. Today, I want to talk about getting our theology right. If you get your theology right, you understand who God is. It'll really go a long way in helping you get your, your life right. So we're always talking about you can't change your life until you change your mind. And one of those is to really have a good, solid understanding of what you believe. Whether you're spiritual or not, you need to understand what you believe, what your worldview looks like, why you think the things that you do, why you believe the things that you do. And today I'm going to share, it's actually an old episode I'm going to bring back from December where we talked about theology and self-brain surgery. So we're going to get some stuff squared away. And so just want to bring you this back and give you this idea about getting your theology right and getting your self-brain surgery lined up in the proper way so that you know what it is you're changing your mind about, what you really believe, so that when you hit that massive thing, you'll be ready. So this is an episode we did for page subscribers only back in December. I'm going to give it to you again, and i got to get off to, to the work today. Um, but I, I think this will be helpful as we get our mindset right. I'm excited about all the things that are going to happen this month. We're pointing towards hope. So my new book, Hope is the First Dose. And I want you to remember, you get your theology right, get your mind right, you will get your life right. Okay, know who God is, know what you believe, know what you're what you're going to encounter as the massive things come along in life. So you'll be ready to change your mind and change your life and you'll be ready to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it, and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done. If you like the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode, and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. If you're not um, connected to Substack yet, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever, go ahead and go to the web and get and download or go to your app store and download the Substack app. It's a great place to listen to podcasts, but you don't have to listen to the podcast there. But there's a whole other side of this work. We have a community, the newsletter, the self-brain surgery newsletter. It comes out every Sunday. And then the chat, and there's going to be some special content for subscribers only. And just it's a great place to get to know each other, build community, find out you're not alone in this world and and uh, continue to hold on to hope and, and fight for it. Listen, it's Mind Change Monday. I'm going to cover a little bit of ground this morning. We've been talking about our favorite worship albums and artists of all time. We've been talking about the best books that I've read in 2022. And, and then on Mind Change Monday today, I want to give you something that I want you to change your mind about. Okay. It's going to be helpful to you. And in doing so, we're going to talk about my all-time favorite worship artist. No surprise here if you've been listening to the podcast very long. It's Tommy Walker. You hear his music in the intro behind Lisa and my voice. Um, and you hear his music frequently on the podcast. I'm constantly talking about Tommy Walker Ministries and why it's important. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on that today and how he really helped me change my mind in a way that the, I'm not just a fan of his music, okay? Tommy Walker, along with Philip Yancey, are the two people that are probably Probably more responsible for my understanding of, of grace and who Jesus is in my current state of 
I think even my salvation has to do with my understanding of Jesus that my eyes were open to through Tommy's music and through Philip's writing. And those two things really helped me uh, kind of get my feet under me as an adult, even though I've been raised in the church. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit of that story in a few minutes. But at Mind Change Monday, I want to talk about our theology. I want, I want to get our theology right. Because if you get your theology right, the theology is your understanding of God, understanding of how God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit work. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit again. We talked about Max Lucado's book, Help Us Here, yesterday. Um, today I want to mention two of my other favorite books that I read in 2022 by the same author. So I'm going to lump them together in uh, one group. You've heard her on the podcast, Elisa Childers. And we're just going to just talk a little bit about Tommy Walker's music, a little bit about two books, a little bit about the Holy Spirit and how you can get your theology right and understand who he is and what he does and how that will help you change your mind here on Mind Change Monday. Because I'm always telling you, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is, as Lisa always tells tells us you can start today hey are you ready to change your life if the answer is yes there's only one rule you have to change your mind first and my friend there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense that place is called self-brain surgery you can learn it and it will help you become healthier feel better and be happier and the good news is you can start today Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like to share it. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Uh, Thanks, Lisa. Hey, listen, friend. I just got through saying that you can't change your life until you change your mind. And I'm going to give you an example of how the Lord changed my mind about something. And he did it through Tommy Walker's music, okay? And he did it through Philip Yancey's writing. I, I was raised in the church, in the church, meaning the God's church, the Christian church, right? But in a particular group that that had a... Kind of a filter on the New Testament, and we we basically had had kind of not we but the the group the people who started that group had kind of filtered the entire New Testament into a set of rules, mostly from Paul's writings. That that basically you had five steps to salvation they would teach, and there was a there was a particular way in which an order in which you had to come to know Christ and be saved by Him, and if you didn't do it in that particular way and with your mind on the particular set of reasons why you were doing it that way, then you weren't saved. And I'm I'm being literal about this. Like we we had literal conversations about who was and who wasn't saved. And this group wasn't saved because they weren't baptized in the right way. And that group wasn't saved because they didn't take communion in the right way. And this group wasn't saved because they baptized their babies. And and all this stuff. And everybody was worried about who was saved and who wasn't. And once you were saved, how do you stay saved? And there was this constant worry about did I mess up and not repent? Am Am I lost again? Am I saved again? It was this constant back and forth battle. And maybe I was just making it to complicated but for me it became stressful as i became an adult and went through medical school and and all of that and i was in this constant state of sort of 
worry about my own salvation. Life didn't work out the way that I thought it was. I was struggling in my marriage. I was having some difficulties understanding why I was trying to do all these things right. And I was still having trouble because I had this notion. And to be fair, nobody ever told me that Christians never had problems. And nobody ever told me that Christians always had to be happy. But somehow I came out of my childhood and in my adult years thinking that if you weren't happy, that there was something wrong with your faith and thinking that if you had problems in your marriage or in your life in some way, that it was because you weren't doing something right. So somehow I came away with that, even though I know that my parents never taught me that. My parents taught me to read the Bible. My parents pointed me towards the truth and towards the word. And even though we worshiped and went to the uh, went to church and, and grew up around this particular set of ideologies and doctrines, my parents never put that on me. I put it on myself. So my parents taught me, and I'm so grateful, and my parents taught me that the answers to the hard things in life are in the word of God. Now, did we get it all right? No, but nobody does, okay? But I know that I found my way back because they pointed me to the path in the right way in the first place. I know they did. And so I'm extremely grateful for my parents that they taught me where to find the truth. And that's one of the things I want to share with you today. So I'm 30 years old, okay? It's uh, I'm in the middle of my residency training. I'm 30 years old. My life is struggling. I'm, I'm having a hard time with my marriage. I'm, I'm having a hard time grappling with how am I going to navigate this difficulty. And I don't understand why God's not coming through for me and answering my prayers. I'm struggling. And a friend at church, which was the same group that I grew up in, but in the Northeast in Pittsburgh, there was a little bit less um, of what I would call legalism up there. And so a friend passed a book to me. Now, I was raised in a culture where you didn't, you weren't really encouraged to read books by Christian writers unless they were from our particular group. And I think that was because we believed that those people weren't really Christians. They weren't really safe. So you, if they wrote something about the word, it was probably false teaching. I literally have heard people say that. So I didn't have a wide reading and I hadn't read Tozer and I hadn't read Packer and I hadn't read, you know, all these theologians who have been writing. I hadn't read Luther and I hadn't read, um, all those, those writers that have, have written for centuries about different ways to understand what the word was about and what Jesus was about. And I, and I didn't have that education and background in reading widely God's sort of kingdom ideas. So I had read books that were written by authors who were in our same faith tradition. Okay. Notice, please, I'm being very careful to, to not cast stones at my group. Okay. The group I grew up in. Why? The reason is every group has places where they fall a little off the path and every group has places where they draw lines that the Bible doesn't draw. Every, we used to, we used to say we speak where the Bible speaks and we're silent where the Bible is silent. And that was completely untrue because we spoke in a lot of things that the Bible didn't say. We took one verse out of context and made a whole doctrine around it and made it into some things to bludgeon other people with that weren't what the Bible says. And then there were other things that the Bible clearly said that we completely ignored because it didn't fit into the narrative of the filtered five things that we chose to teach about, right? But every group does that. Every group, just humans do that stuff, okay? So I'm not throwing stones, but my point is this. I'd gotten to this place where I was struggling because what I thought didn't give me power and help that I needed. And I thought the Bible was supposed to give you help. And in my, my understanding of it wasn't helping me. I was struggling. I was struggling mightily and I didn't know who to talk to about. It. I couldn't talk to my, my immediate family because it did contradict my, my thoughts were beginning to contradict 
what I had been taught. So it was going to be offensive to them if I brought it up. I couldn't get help at home because I was struggling in my marriage. So, so I was really struggling. And a friend I'm so grateful to passed me a book called The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. And this second book by Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About Grace. And again, I'd been raised to not talk about not read and be influenced by people who were quote-unquote Christians but didn't follow our particular ideology. So first I approached these two books with a little bit of trepidation because I wasn't sure that the guy writing them was actually a Christian, right? But they blew my brain away because when I looked at the scriptures that Yancey quoted and I actually got into the Bible, he said it right. He said what the words of the scripture said were actually correct and lined up with what he said. Jesus wasn't the person... I had thought he was. He wasn't out there ready to zap me and ready to send me back to hell every time I committed a sin that I forgot to specifically repent for that day. I wasn't constantly in this state of being back and forth between saved and lost and saved and lost and saved and lost. And I wasn't in this constant struggle to do enough good that God would forgive me and it would outweigh all the bad that I did. It wasn't that. That's not what the New Testament says. That's that's what's so amazing about grace. You can't do enough to get there without him, and you can't do enough to lose it if he says that you're his. Okay? That's the bottom line. So around that same time, this is 97, 1997, 1998 maybe, I got invited to a Promise Keepers event in Pittsburgh. Promise Keepers was this event that had been started by a coach of a University of Colorado football team whose last name was McCarthy, and it was basically getting men to honor their promises, be good fathers, be good husbands, raise their family well, go to church, teach, teach, you know, be a good example to the communities around them. It was an attempt at revival through men and stronger families, and they had these big stadium concerts and stadium events all around the country for a few years in the late 90s and early 2000s. And basically one of them was in Pittsburgh in the old Three Rivers Stadium. And then the next one was this Million Man March that they had that was in D.C. And I've gotten this story confused a little bit because for years I told people that I heard Tommy Walker sing this song in Pittsburgh. And when I talked to him about it for the first time, he said, no, I wasn't in Pittsburgh. I, I didn't. I didn't go there. Like <laughs> I wasn't there. So it must have been in the DC event or, or perhaps somebody else sang Tommy Walker's song, but his song did end up on the Promise Keepers album, the cassette tape that I had. And that's where I first heard his music. And so it, I guess it was in DC where I actually heard or saw Tommy sing this song, but whatever it was, it was around the time that I read those two Philip Yancey books and I'm sitting in this stadium or at this event and Tommy Walker comes out and sits on a chair and sits on a stool and sings this song called These Things Are True of You. And something remarkable happened that day. Okay, the, the Two remarkable things happened that day because and another one I'll tell you another time, but basically God revealed to me one of the first times I ever felt like I was hearing his voice. And it wasn't like the skies parted and the sun shone down and he stepped stepped in front of me and spoke to me face to face. It wasn't some kind of thing like that. It was just a, a serious internal understanding that God was communicating to me through my spirit that the words I was hearing this man say were correct. And so Tommy sang this song, or maybe it was somebody else singing Tommy's song, but but whatever it was, the song was These Things Are True of You by Tommy Walker, and it was sung, and it went right into my heart, and the Holy Spirit ministered to me that day and said, that guy 
playing that guitar, let me back up one step. We were taught that you were only supposed to worship with your voice, that you weren't allowed to use music, that, that because the New Testament, one scripture says sing and make melody in your hearts, that that means that you can't use musical instruments in worship or you're sinning. And so I was raised, even though I was a guitar player and a musician, I was raised that it's okay to play in a rock band and play Led Zeppelin songs, but you can't sing about Jesus if you have your guitar in your hand because that's a sin. So I was raised in this, and so it was hard for me to be in this concert hearing all these people singing songs about God with instruments. And Tommy comes out there with just an acoustic guitar. And first I'm impressed because he's a really, really good player. So he got my attention there. Then I loved his voice. But what he was singing was all these attributes of God. I didn't know at the time, but he got that from an A.W. Tozer book, The Knowledge of the Holy. So all these attributes came from Tozer's work, which I had, again, not been exposed to because we weren't encouraged to read outside of the particular group that we were in, right? So I'm sitting there in this stadium and I'm hearing Tommy Walker sing this song. Let me play it for you. Unshakable, immovable, faithful and true, full of wisdom, strength and beauty. These things are true of you. Fearless, courageous, righteousness shines through in all we do, yet you're so humble, you lay down your life, these things are true. Thank you. 
Okay, right. So Tommy's singing those words, and the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm convinced of that now because I know who he is now. The Holy Spirit said, he can't sing that stuff about me unless he knows me. He can't, he can't understand who I am on that kind of level to know that I'm unshakable and immovable and faithful and true and full of wisdom and strength and goodness and beauty. And these things are true of him, of me. He can't know that, Lee, unless he knows me. He's your brother. He's your brother. And right then, my eyes were open, friend, and I looked around that stadium, that event, and I saw all these men with their hands in the air, and they were weeping and crying and singing, and I knew that many of them were Baptists and Catholics and and Presbyterians and Lutherans and all these people that I would have said weren't saved. And they were singing and worshiping, and the Holy Spirit said, "Who? how dare you, Lee Warren, how dare you think that just because somebody taught you five verses out of the New Testament that you can look at another man who claims to know Jesus and decide that he's not saved? How dare you? And I was broken in that moment, and I understood that the kingdom of God is a whole lot bigger than I ever thought it was. And that just changed my whole life, and later... In this Million Man March event, Max Lucado was there. Okay, now Max Lucado was one of our guys. He was from the same faith tradition as I was, and he had started writing some books, and he had gained some popularity. He was getting a little bit famous. And, and of course, they started preaching and teaching a slightly different message than, than our group typically taught, and everybody turned against him. Everybody said, well, he's, he's trying to make more money. He's trying to get more famous. So he's going to water down the truth and, and that we can't read his books anymore. We can't, he's, you know, he's not one of our guys anymore. And I'm sitting there kind of irritated that Max Lucado is at this event because it's a, not an event from our group. It's an event for all groups, all people who call on Christ. And I heard Max pray and Max prayed a prayer of repentance for having believed a lot of the things that I believed in exactly this moment that was happening with Tommy Walker's song and Max's prayer. And I was just broken open. Bill Piancy's book had opened my eyes to see Jesus in a different way and to understand what grace really was. And I came from a tradition where we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit because we didn't understand it. And we didn't talk about grace because we were afraid if you believed, if you taught too much grace that you might encourage people to sin and they might fall away and be lost. Okay, so we neutered the doctrine of grace. We neutered the power of the Holy Spirit. We didn't understand it fully, and we limited other people by saying they weren't really saved or Christians unless they saw things the way we did. And in that moment, friend, that's when my life changed. I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I still held that same set of beliefs. I'd be talking to the nine other people that that think that way, where that I would know at this point in my life, right? it changed everything about my life. Did it solve all my problems immediately? No, it didn't solve all my problems immediately. It didn't. It just didn't. I wish I could say that it did. But the thing is, it opened my eyes to see that the kingdom of God is a lot bigger than I ever thought it was. And what I want to get to today is Mind Change Monday. I don't mean to, to belabor this, but I want you to make sure that your theology is right. Because wrong theology does a number of bad things to you. If your theology is wrong, you don't understand who God really is or how he thinks or how he operates. You don't understand who Jesus really is or how he thinks or how he operates. And you don't understand who the Holy Spirit really is and how he thinks and how he operates. Then your life is limited by your bad understanding of what God intends and wants to do for you and through you and with you in your life.
and who he really is changes everything about the eternal nature of your relationship with him, right? So if you don't understand it, then you can't really know him. And I would just suggest that your power in your life is severely hampered and limited if you don't really know who he is. Now, I told you yesterday, we talked for a second about the 2020 State of the Bible Report. I don't have access to more recent ones yet, but this Barna Group and the American Bible Society do an annual State of the Bible Report. And they go around surveying people around the country and they ask questions about their ability or their um, experience with reading the Bible. And they found that only 9% of people, Americans that they surveyed, read the Bible every day. And that's the lowest the figure had ever been in the decade of that research that they've been doing. The Bible is widely available to Americans, okay? There's there's almost half the people groups in the world that don't have the Bible translated into their language, but every American does. And you can any hotel you stay in, any website you go to, you can find the Bible in your language easily, but only 9% of us are reading it. That's crazy. Only 9% of us. Then they asked another question that was stunning to me. Would America be worse off, the same, or better without the Bible? And 49% said the America would be worse off, but 39% of people said that the Bible, that America would be the same if it didn't have the Bible. And 13% of us said it would be better if we didn't have the Bible. Participants were also asked if they agreed with this statement, the Bible contains everything a person needs to know to live a meaningful life. And 37% agreed strongly, 31% agreed somewhat, but 32% disagreed with the statement that the Bible contained everything a person needed to know to live a meaningful life. Then they asked, how often do you personally read the Bible? That's when 9% said every day. From 2011 through 2019, the percentage of respondents who claimed to read the Bible uh, had remained fairly steady around 13.7%, but it went down 5% to 9 in 2020, friend. 3% of people said they read the Bible four or more times a week. 10% said they read it several times a week, and 9% said they read it once a week. 9% said they read it once a month. 8% said they read it three or four times a year. 11% said they read it once a year. And 34% of people surveyed said they never read the Bible. Then they were asked how their Bible reading habits compare to the previous year. And 64% of them said they were the same. 22% said they read the Bible more than they used to. The rest said they read it less than they used to. That's stunning to me, that during the pandemic, a group of people were reading the Bible less. So they found that people who commonly read the Bible almost every day turned to the Bible when they were struggling. So during the pandemic, for example, when they were feeling lonely or anxious, they would turn to Scripture. But the other people who didn't commonly read the Bible, they turned to food, television, prescription drugs, or other types of behaviors, numbing behaviors, or other types of compensatory mechanisms to find their power and strength or ability to cope with hard things. And that's my point when I'm telling you all the time synapses that fire together wire together, right? When you turn to the Bible to find your strength, guess what you find? You find that strength and power is actually there. But when you don't know that because you don't read it, and you got bad theology and you don't understand that the help and hope is in those words, you don't turn to the one place that can actually help you. And you're putting superficial treatments on those broken bones that we talked about. Okay? So 
Back to my story, okay? I'm, a, I'm an adult. I'm a neurosurgery resident. I'm broken open by this event at Promise Keepers. I'm starting now to read more widely, to listen to more, listen to Christian music more broadly. That's when I made the decision. I'm really not going to listen to secular music anymore. Why? Most secular music is about sex, alcohol, um, cheating. It's about something that's not uplifting and not pointing me towards scripture and not, not pointing me towards power in my life and I need power in my life. So I'd made a decision sometime around 2000 that I'm really going to mostly listen. And now pretty much it's almost exclusive now that I'm just going to listen to music that points me back towards the word or towards God or towards something meaningful and lasting. So when I did that, it started to fill my heart up and my head up with ammunition that I found to be almost preloading me to pr- protect me and help me in hard times. And that led me through getting through Iraq, getting through the hard times of the war, getting through my PTSD and my divorce and my re- my new family that I put together with the Lord's help and with Lisa and our kids getting back together and all of that. All of that came because I had now a well of things that I were reading and things that I was listening to and things that I was studying in the Word and all this 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 power and armor and ammunition because I widened my view and let God's word speak into my life and stopped filtering it through my own bad theology. And what I found is in Isaiah fifty five eleven, he says, my word goes out from my mouth. It doesn't return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, I know that Philip Yancey didn't write those two books for Lee Warren. He didn't write those two books just for me. And Tommy Walker did not write those songs just for me. But that word, when they when those guys put pen to paper and they put God's words out there into the universe, they didn't go out empty because they saved me, okay? God chose to reach through Tommy Walker's voice and his fingers on the guitar and through Philip Yancey's fingers on the typewriter or the pen or however he writes. Those words didn't go out empty. They came back and accomplished the purpose of bringing Lee Warren to getting through those hard times in his life, sitting down to begin writing and podcasting and doing all the things that I do in my voice and your ears right now, wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing. I'd love to hear that, by the way, speakpipe.com slash Dr. Lee Warren. You can leave me a voicemail and tell me what you're doing right now, where you are, how you came to see this and how it's helping you or what you're, you're feeling about it. Or you can email me, Lee at DrLeeWarren.com. But all that, God's word didn't go out empty, okay? So when I started getting my theology right, my life started getting better. I changed my mind and it changed my life. And let me just give you a little bit of Mind Change Monday. We'll get it back to neuroscience for a second. I've been rambling a little bit longer. Two books that I read this year, Elisa Childers wrote another gospel, which is about the progressive gospel and, and how dangerous it is. And another book that she just wrote that just came out, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. We covered that on the podcast with her, and you should go back and listen to that episode. But those two books are great examples of how getting your theology wrong can lead you down a terrible path that takes your power away. It's not good news. If you believe that Jesus was just a good guy who gave us a good example and they killed him for it, that's not really good news. It's not good news if you believe that the Bible was really not the Word of God and really isn't the path to eternal life, or it's not good news if you believe that there are multiple paths to to salvation and multiple paths to a good life because it turns out not to be true 
Okay, it's not good news. The gospel is good news, and if you understand it because you read it, you'll find that God's word doesn't go out empty, and it actually has power to help you in your life. It'll help you change your mind and help you change your life and become healthier and feel better and be happier and be more resilient and have more juice to get through the hard times in life. That's what good theology does for you, okay? Now, let me just give you this. Of all the things that God created, all the animals on the planet, those swans and eagles that I told you about, all the the Harvey and Lewis and all the other animals, they don't have something that you have, something called selective attention. They don't have the ability to stop thinking about one thing and start thinking about another thing. Harvey, if he gets on a scent... I have to shock him to get him off of it. If, he, if I need him to come in the house and he's after some deer in the field, he's not coming back unless I hurt him, unless I buzz him and make him stop by punishing him in some way that he that I get his attention and get his brain to shift off of that thing. It takes it takes pain to do that to get him off of that because he doesn't have the ability to decide to stop thinking about one thing and start thinking about another thing. But guess what? You do. You have something inside you, selective attention in your mind that's in the organ of your brain that allows you to say that thought process is harmful to me and I'm going to switch it off and I'm going to think about this other thing instead. I'm going to stop thinking about this and start thinking about that. How about that? You can do that. Now, let me tell you why. Why of all the animals in the world did God decide to give you the brain that can choose to think about one thing and not another thing? It's because your brain, your mind is the seat of his presence inside your heart. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. If you you believe the Bible, the, the Holy Spirit comes inside and dwells in you and becomes not just your conscience, but becomes a friend and a power source inside you. Okay? He gives you the ability to live a life that honors him, to live a life that has juice and resilience and power to handle all the hard things that come along. That's what the Holy Spirit does. There's a passage in Galatians chapter 5 that talks about what a life without the Spirit looks like and what a life with the Spirit looks like. He says in verse 19, Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So that's a set of things that happen to people when they're finding their own way. Now, you may say, hold on a second, Lee. I don't go to orgies, and I don't kill people, and I don't get into witchcraft, and I don't do all those things. I'm not a gutter drunk. And that's fine. You're probably not. You probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you were. But ask yourself this. Do you have trouble forgiving people? Do you have trouble getting along with people when they hurt you? Do you find yourself jealous sometimes when people succeed and you don't? Do you sometimes get angry and have control? You have trouble controlling your tongue? Do you blow up on people when you're upset? Are you passive-aggressive with your kids? I'm asking you, if you're not led by the Spirit, you can have some of these things happen in your heart, okay? You you can have some of these things occur in those times when you're not listening to the Spirit. And what happens when you do have the Spirit, when you are letting Him lead you? What happens? Verse 22, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Forbearance is patience, okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We've always taught this, and I've always heard this taught, and the fruits of the Spirit, 
the self-control part I've always heard is about not doing certain things. So you, you have self-control, so you discipline yourself so you don't overeat, you don't sleep with the wrong people, you don't use drugs, you don't steal, you don't kill people, you don't do these things. But I'm going to just submit to you today on Mind Change Monday. Okay, we're running out of time here. I don't want to take too much of your time today. But I want to submit to you that self-control is not just about things that you do or don't do. It's about things that you think or don't think, or more, I guess more properly stated, the way in which you think about your life. Self-control is the ability, it's an evidence of the Holy Spirit controlling your mind, giving you, giving you other things to think about, choosing to think about one thing and not another, and exercising that will of the Spirit, that power of the Spirit over the natural inclinations of your fight or flight brain of your I'm hurt, I'm offended, I'm angry, I'm sad. Your feelings can be overcome by your mind if you choose to engage that gift of selective attention. And that is a fruit. It's an evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? So when I got my theology right, when I started accepting his word coming out from Philip Yancey and Tommy Walker and other writers and songwriters and, and my new um, exploration of the scripture unchained from the bad theology that I had, when I started reading with a, a more open heart to say, God, don't help me, don't let me read the Bible searching for evidence that I have it right already. Let me read the Bible searching for information from you about how you want me to refine and and mature my faith. There's a verse in Hebrews that says, I don't, I haven't looked it up yet this morning, so I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I know it's in Hebrews. And it says basically, quit being immature in your life. Get after learning how to be more and more and more like me. Like use the, the beginning that you were given, you, your, your parents or whoever brought you to the faith gave you a good start. Now go mature and let me work inside you to grow you up into something more than you are but do it inside the word do it with the proper theology do it with the right understanding of who i am and i'll reveal to you over time who i want you to be now let me give you some some quick instruction about what the holy spirit does and doesn't do the holy spirit will never reveal something to you that's contrary to scripture okay jesus said it plain in john he will remind you of all truth, he will remind you of the things that I've taught you. He will not tell you it's okay to cheat or lie or steal in order to accomplish a certain thing. He he won't tell you to do something that's in, not in accordance with his word. So if you find yourself leaning towards something that the Bible explicitly prohibits, it's not from the Holy Spirit, okay? The other thing is what he will do is he'll gently nudge you and guide you, but he will not force you to do the right thing over time if you don't listen to him he'll stop talking to you you'll you'll neuter his power if you don't listen so when you feel your heart nudge towards forgiving somebody or opening up a stream of conversation with somebody that you've been estranged from or answering the phone with a greeting and a great and a heart of gratitude that's the holy spirit and if you ignore that over time, your bitterness and your anger and your other things, other parts of your heart that come up will overcome and outweigh his voice. Because he speaks with a still, small voice. He's a gentleman, okay? He doesn't barge in and take over and handle you like a puppet. He's not a puppet master. He's a friend. He's a counselor. He's a helper. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. So once you get that theology right, you change your mind about who he is and about what his word is, then you can understand that Jesus is the answer to everything. Tommy Walker has another song. Jesus, you're the answer to everything. Listen to this song. There's two Tommy Walker songs, and, and the background for why he's my favorite worship artist of all time, the, he's got 
dozens of albums, okay? Just go to Apple Music or Spotify and find his music. Go to TommyWalkerMinistries.org and you can find all his music. But the reason I shared those two songs with you today is These Things Are True of You is the song that really changed my life, okay? It really did. It, it connected me to who Jesus was on a different level. Jesus before that to me was this guy who was ready to convict me of my sins and send me to hell unless I followed a very particular path, held a particular set of beliefs and did things exactly right and remembered to repent for every single sin I committed right up to my dying breath or I would be lost. And that's not a, that's not a power filled way to live. Okay. That's who I thought he was. And Tommy helped me see that's no, that's not who he actually is. And, and Philip Yancey helped me see who he actually is. Elisa Childers books can open your eyes to what happens when you have the wrong theology and can give you a way to look at some of the things that are happening in our culture today that are related to having bad theology. And she can be helpful to you. So those are, that's another two of the top eight or ten books that I've read this year. And I think they'll be incredibly helpful to you. Tommy Walker has another song called your word will be the last word and that's what i want to leave you with today friend i want you to change your mind about who god is and i want you to understand that the way to know who he is is to read the bible that's to spend some time in the word to let his words be the last word over your life and when you do that when you load your heart and your mind up with his words then the holy spirit can remind you of those things but he can't remind you of something you never knew Okay, somebody said the other day, and I wish I had written down the source. I don't know who said this. It was not me, so I'm not making this up. But I heard or read recently, somebody said, if you want to know what God has to say, read the Bible. And if you want to hear his voice, read it out loud. And that's a great way. I'm not saying God never audibly speaks to you because I've heard him. And you probably have too. But but the day-to-day way to hear God's voice is to read the Bible. Read it out loud. Let somebody else read it to you. Hear the word of God. It never goes out empty. And I'm just, I'm I'm here to tell you on this Monday morning that if you want to change your mind and you want to change your life, you get your theology right about who God is. You read some good books. You listen to some good music. You spend time in his word and you get around people who are exemplifying and showing those fruits of the spirit and you'll start hearing them more clearly. And you'll finally become healthier and feel better and be happier because you changed your mind and changed your life because you let his word be the last word. Your word will be the last word. Your promises will stand forevermore. Man's thoughts and all his plans will come to an end. But your word will be the last word. Your word says I'm forgiven. Covenant says you will always be with me. Though some may scar and ride me off, your word will be the last word. Your word is. 
Troubles come and go, and my heart I'll always know your word. Be the last word, man, in all his wisdom, in all his foolish pride, puts his hope in only things. He can see with his eyes, he claiming to be wise, and he came as fools instead. Lord, I'm banking all my faith in the truth of the word you say. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.